0: Join us this month at San Diego Comic-Con. On Friday, July 22nd at 7 p.m. to 10 p.m. Pacific Standard Time over at the Hilton San Diego Bayfront, we will host the second annual Black Girl Nerds of Color Racialicious Mashup. We're doing it all over again. The event will be held at the Hilton Bayfront's Pool Club with a view of the waterfront and part of the venue sectioned off just for us to use while retaining access to the bar, and help you wind down after a day at San Diego Comic-Con. So go to Facebook events and reserve your spot today. If you need to find more information about all of the events that we're doing over at San Diego Comic-Con, make sure to subscribe to our newsletter. We plan on sending out additional newsletters this month of exclusives just for the con, which will include all of the panels that we will be on, as well as press that we are covering throughout the convention. Go to blackgirlnerds.com, subscribe to our newsletter, and join us for the second annual Black Girl Nerds of Color Racialicious Meetup.
1: Hi, I'm Melody Cooper, director of The Sound of Darkness, and you're listening to Black Girl Nerds Podcast.
2: This is Simone Missick, and I am Misty Knight, and you are listening to the Black Girl Nerds
1: Podcast. Hey, y'all. This is LeVar Burton, Kunta, Jordi, Reading Rainbow Guy. You are listening to the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. It is the bomb diggity podcast on the interwebs, but... You don't have to take my it.
3: Hi, I'm Andre Meadows. I have a YouTube channel, Black Nerd Comedy. Have you heard of it? Don't matter, because you are listening to the Black Girl Nerds podcast, the best podcast in the whole world that I'm doing a promo for right now. Boom. <laughs> <laughs>
4: That's true.
0: Episode 80 of the Black Girl Nerds podcast. My name is Jamie and I am your host. This episode is titled Rooster Teeth, Tarzan, Fiction Writing, and Preacher. Four segments, all one on one interviews. Jacqueline interviews Mika Burton, the daughter of the legendary LeVar Burton, and she discusses her work over at the Rooster Teeth convention as a gamer, a cosplayer, and an intersectional feminist. In our second segment, Joelle interviews actor Jaiman Hansu, best known for his role in the film Amistad, also playing the voice of T'Challa in Black Panther. And in the new Legend of Tarzan film, Jaiman Hansu discusses his latest role. In our third segment, Fora interviews Ashley Terrell. Ashley is the author of The Black Sheep Shadow, and she goes into an in depth discussion about fiction writing and what that means to her. In our fourth segment, Jacqueline interviews the actors from the AMC show Preacher, actors Dominic Cooper and Ruth Nega. It's a roundtable discussion that also includes other interviewers that was present in the public forum. In the discussion, Jacqueline talks about the series, how the actors got prepared for their respective roles, and also how fans have received the show. So that is our episode, fully packed, as you can tell, four great segments featuring all of our great co-hosts and one-on-one solos. Take lots of notes, copious notes. This should be a great one for you. BGN, Episode 80, Rooster Teeth, Tarzan, Fiction Writing, and Preacher. Enjoy! Mika Burton, cosplayer, gamer, and LGBTQ champion, sat down to chat about her new role at Achievement Hunters and growing up as the daughter of nerd royalty. Achievement Hunters is the video gaming division of Rooster Teeth Productions. Rooster Teeth Productions is the Austin-based production company best known for the YouTube series Slow Mo Guys, Red vs. Blue, and Ruby.
2: So we're sitting here with Miss Mika Burton from Hi. Achievement Hunters, um, and we're getting ready for the RTX Festival here in Austin, which is handled by the Rooster Teeth folks. Yep. And Mika, you just joined Achievement Hunters, and you're now working full-time with Rooster Teeth. Yep. Just tell
5: us a little bit about it. So I started as a fan way back in the day when Red vs. Blue was a thing, like when I was in middle school, I think, <laughs> I watched the original first four seasons or something, and I kind of fell off from there. And then in college, I rediscovered Achievement Hunter through Rage Quit, which is... Michael Rage Jones's. Quit. Yeah. Yes, I um, love that. <laughs> and I don't know. I just like was like, oh, my God, what is this? Is this the same people that do, do Red versus Blue? That's crazy. And I kind of fell right back into the Rooster Teeth hole. And a long series of weird happenstances happened. And eventually I met Gavin at a sushi place in Los Angeles with my dad. <laughs> I kid you not. Like, we ran into Gavin and I was like, Dad, that's Gavin free. And he was like, no. No, it's not. I was like, no, I swear. It's so Gavin your dad free. is like a Rooster Teeth fan well, too. No. So the funny thing is, An hour before we met Gavin, I showed him a slow-mo guy's video. Nice. And I was like, this is this really cool British dude for the company that Mm -hmm. I kind of like. And I show you the video sometime and he's like, okay, whatever. I don't care. (laughs) An hour later, we ran into Gavin. It was the most weird universe coming together in the right place. serendipity. Yeah, it was perfect serendipity. We followed each other on Twitter after that. Then RTX was coming up and I was begging my dad, like, Dad, can I go? Dad, can I go? And he was like, you know what? Fine. You can go. I'll make sure Gavin keeps an eye on you because it's like three years ago. I was (laughs) still kind of a child getting used to the world. Um, And somehow we ended up talking to Bernie and Bernie followed my dad and then Bernie followed me. And I freaked out because I'm like what is what is happening isn't that a fangirl moment when someone yeah. that you
2: love follows you I freaked
5: out and i was like i haven't done anything why why is this happening and then so achievement hunter does this thing called awu which is achievement hunter weekly update every monday they do a video and there's usually an intro for their 200th episode they were doing a call to action for people to send in celebrity intros saying this is awu 200 so i'm sitting in my freshman dorm I call up my dad i'm like dad I need you to do a thing for me and he was like okay i know you guys talk like this is the gavin dude right and i was like yes this is the gavin so,
2: i love it's not a parental thing where it's like you know oh this is the the, the game guy like right? when i try to talk
5: to my dad about <laughs> like, stuff oh, this is the, the chicken feet it's <laughs> like no rooster teeth rooster, getting close yeah so close so he whipped up an intro and they freaked out and gavin's like i met that dude and his daughter and then rtx was coming up and jack was like you're coming to rtx right and i told him i was so bernie hit me up the night before rtx saying here's some vip badges i want to meet you i start crying because i'm freaking out this is the night before i get on the plane Bang to go to moment. texas yeah. yeah and so jack's super nice he gives me a tour of the old office you know like shows me around and then i meet jeff who's used to be the boss of achievement hunter now Lindsay's the boss of achievement hunter and he was saying like you know what how about you come and try some some let's plays with us sometime like you seem cool this might work out and then at the time my dad came to do the let's or extra life it's the charity event that we do every year and the relationship just kept growing and growing and then i got cast in laser team their movie i kept coming back for let's plays and eventually after two three years of just like it wasn't even contract work it was just kind of freelance i'll do it for funsies kind of thing and last september Matt Hullum sat me down in his office. He's like, he messaged me and he goes, oh, I want to have a meeting with you. I'm thinking it's just because Matt's kind of a dad figure. So he likes to check in. He's like, how's college? How's everything going? And he sits, how are your grades? Yeah, are, you are you good? How's home? Are you feeling well? Are you drinking enough water? He's such I love Matt. So he sits me down. And I'm thinking it's just a normal Matt meeting. And he's like, we want to hire you. And my brain short circuited a little bit. I was like, what do you? What? like I never thought like yeah the fans there was a great reaction it was because no one has seen a black person in Achievement Hunter before so it was kind of like holy shit representation so people kept doing like this hire Mika campaign and I never thought this would ever happen but when he sat me down and was like we want to hire you I was just baffled like my mind was blown because that doesn't that, that was never in my cards for some reason. For some reason, I always thought, like, wouldn't that be nice if... Cheap and Hunter's, like, the dream job. I, like, look at my office. I'm playing video games for a living, you know? like hey, And you have a
2: very nice office. Let's, let's go ahead and talk yeah, about like, it. Yeah,
5: Overwatch memes as my desktop monitor. Like, I don't know. It just never seemed like something that could ever happen, especially because, you know, I was in college for an acting degree. It was practical jobs. At first, I was going to be a lawyer before I became an acting major. So, if you told, like... 15-year-old Mika, you're going to end up working for the Achievement Hunters and, like, play video games for a living, I'd call you out on your bullshit. Because, like, no. Absolutely not. This is... It's mind-blowing. Especially because just getting people messaging me saying, like, I have representation. It's like it's a very big
2: deal. I mean, especially me, you know, I'm a little bit older than you, and I just remember, like, being the only black girl that even liked video games, let alone someone that you could actually see. Like, the idea of having now, you know, black female protagonists in video games or, you know, like, I mean, just, like, I had a moment when I was playing the Michonne Walking Dead thing, and I'm Mm -hmm. just like this was not when I was playing Sonic and Tails on, (laughs) you know, Sega Genesis, you know? Tomb Raider. Yes, exactly. It's a great moment. I think gaming still has ways to go. We we all know this, Mm -hmm. but I do like the fact that the Rooster Teeth guys were aware of that. They made efforts and, like, I've I've lived here in Austin so I've met these guys (laughs) on several different things and they've always talked about how they really just try to make a community and Mm -hmm. I'm really glad that it's you know it's getting branched out
5: I think it's something that I was acutely aware of as a kid because my mom would always mention it because I was always a weeb I was always a video game nerd so I would have only white people on my walls all the posters were like white video game characters K-pop J-rock Japanese it was everyone but black and she would go why don't you have any people of color on your wall and As a kid, I actually said, because there's no one for me to look up to. There was no one in my community. Yeah.
2: And that's why it's so great now for us to have this. Like, Black Girl Nerds is about four years old. Mm -hmm. And when I found that Twitter handle, I was just like, this is... I'm home. And I've fallen in love and I've met and built friendships with these women and men and everyone mm-hmm. who like the same thing I do. It's not normal for, you know, black girls to like anime and comic books and all this other kind of stuff and right. gaming. And this is who we are. We're being yeah. true to ourselves. And don't get me wrong, I'm going to be like first in line to the Black Panther movie, but like...
5: Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> we
2: have like a huge tra- crush on I Like,
5: seriously. Everybody does. Like, I just, I love him. The whole movie, I just spent like, yes, like choice like just uh, if there was not a butt scene in Black (laughs) Panther I... I would
2: sort I want, want some shirtless. Mm-hmm. I want some butt scenes. Mm-hmm. I just want, yeah, any any way they can make him sexy. Like, Batman v. Superman, am. horrible movie. But, but they, they showed Cavill well, very
6: well. They
5: did. The, the pull-ups, I was yes. like, you know what? I'm here for this movie now. I got you. I, I see need, you. Don't you need that moment? I need that moment. I need, like, the slow pan up <laughs> when he's, like, dripping, coming out of the shower or something. Black Panther's got a shower sometimes. Why not show it to or us? Or, like,
2: waterfalls. Ooh. We're writing Waterfalls. It. There we go. We're writing we the movie. We need to contact
5: the <laughs> Excuse me, Marvel. There have got to be some waterfalls down in Africa. Oh, we're so brainstorming. Like...
2: <laughs> no, I was going to ask you, too, because you mentioned your dad. Of course, your dad is our nerd hero, bar Burton. <laughs> Did you hear our podcast? We fangirled so hard on It's on my <laughs> to listen
5: list when I'm flying home to go to Comic-Con or flying to California, so I'm going to be listening to it on the plane.
2: Yes, and I I have too many podcasts, so I feel the same way where I'm like, I'm junkied out.
5: but. Yeah.
2: Yeah, fangirled out. I mean, (laughs) actors and actresses are lucky if they get one iconic role and your dad's got like too many to name. Oh, I I mean, so,
5: but. Save some for the rest of us, (laughs) why don't you?
2: (laughs) But I guess it was kind of different growing up in that because I know, you know, for my dad, he was just on the outskirts of Hollywood. It was Mm -hmm. just hard for me working as the kid of a production person. Right. I couldn't imagine working for talent actors. So the
5: thing is, he normalized it really fast. Like, my mom jokes about it, but it's not even really a joke. Apparently, before I could speak, I knew that the red light meant quiet on set. Like, that was just a thing. I would see the red light, and I'd be, like, screaming or having a fit as a, you know, as a baby. But I'd see the red light go on, and she'd go like this. Like, she'd put her finger over her lips, and I would I would shut up. And so I've always known. It's just early on, my parents normalized it, because my mom's a makeup artist. So no matter what, it was after school, I'd go to set, whether it was my mom's set or my dad's set, or if they are working together on something. And I think... I don't know it never like whenever I hear the question what is it like having your dad be LeVar Burton I'm like I I don't know anything else you know it's he's also what I love about him is he's a dad first and he's an actor second like he's always gone to my plays. he's never wanted special treatment he always walks with me everywhere he moved me into my dorm into my apartment every year he's always there moving me in and moving me out it's like he's such a dad you know he doesn't and I always had to work for everything I did chores I never got things handed to me. They wanted to make sure because also it's not just that he's an actor, but he's also a black parent. Yes. And,
2: But, you know, look at, I mean, not all those black, I mean, I hate to, I hate to throw him under the bus, but Jaden Smith, that poor, child. that poor child, I mean, I feel yeah. like nobody's there to say no sometimes. Yeah. Like you shouldn't, I mean, but that's what I mean. Like when I say you, it's like, it's not just who your dad is, but like being a, a kid of a famous parent is hard. It
5: is hard. So, I mean, that's what I would be,
2: like, you yeah. know.
5: I mean, <laughs> I deal with the backlash of it today in Achievement Hunter. It's like, people think, oh, you're just here because of your dad. Or, oh, when I joke about something like, oh, I wish I could afford this cosplay piece that go to go ditch have your daddy buy it. I'm like, that never worked in my house. Thank you. That's not how it works. Because well, like, mom and dad's yeah. especially like, no, this is my money. You yeah. need to go make yours. Oh, <laughs> like, it, th- that's what that's what I joke about. Like, I joke and I'm not really joking when I'm like, my mom will have two pairs of lubes and I'll be buying Skechers. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's their money. It's not my money. I'm not entitled to it just because I'm a Burton. Like, I may have the same last name, but I work for my shit. You know, like, I worked to be in this desk, in this office, you know, it's... But it feels better to be here, though. Oh, it feels so much better. If I had it handed to me, it wouldn't be as fun. I feel like the celebrity parent kids who just have things handed to them, there's some hole missing. You know, as much as they may seem happy with all the material, everything, there's something missing of, like, I did it. You know, my dad backed off completely when I auditioned to go to theater school. He didn't want his name anywhere touching it because he didn't want the legacy of an actor to be going to a school. And when I got in, the head of school made sure, I think on a weekly basis to the point where I was like, Priscilla, it's I get it. She kept being like, I wanna let you know that you're in, not because of your dad. You were talented. It's not I swear to you, it's you were very like, do you want to, do you want me to show you what they said about you? I'm like, No, no, no I get it. I am I, I believe you. But it's nice to know that, cool, my dad's Kunta Kente, but like I do it on my own, you
2: know? And you're in a totally different... I mean, in the same sphere in the sense that, obviously, you grew up with him, so you have his influences, but I feel like you made your own sphere, you know? Oh, you yeah. You're in gaming, and this is like... I mean, I hate to say it, but it's just a totally different area, you know? Oh, yeah. I feel it all puts under that umbrella of awesome nerd, but it's still <laughs> different. It's
5: different. Eventually, I am going to go back to L.A. and continue my acting, because I did get a degree in that, and that's what I want to do, but right here, this is my home. I'm a nerd first. Mm-hmm. You know? I, I love... Bring representation to the nerd world because, yeah, I'm not gonna say Hollywood's taken care of. It's it's a little more addressed in Hollywood than it is on the internet. Yes, the internet it's a very scary thing to say the word diversity.
2: It's like you don't even want to say it, like because yeah. then it come. I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. I, I like we already know and we get the frustrations of it and we see it, but. It's at this point where I'm like, we got to get better. We got to get better, which is
5: why I feel like the internet needs me a little bit more than the silver screen needs me.
2: I was excited, you know, when I was
5: like, (laughs) I've talked to the Rooster Teeth guys. I was like, you know, when are you
2: guys going to get somebody, you know, I would love to interview somebody to do diversity or, you know, even if it was somebody like Meg for, you know, a woman, but you know, I wanted to kind of, you know, it doesn't have to be the, you know, white guy every single time. Right. Yup. And when they said you were coming on board, I was like, yes, yes. <laughs> like, this is going to be so great. And
5: how much more diverse thing you get, a bisexual black woman. Like- yeah. That's three spectrums. <laughs> they get like diversity in a package with me. I'm really excited. I'm doing the LGBT panel. You're giving at me RTX. you're
2: giving me a good segue because I was going to bring up your panel as a way. To, yeah, because that's like such a personal thing to talk about right. someone's sexuality. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I don't feel like I'd be like, "Excuse me, you're talking to me about what?" You know? Right. But that you brought it up because you are a champion of that on your social media at achievement hunters and yeah. everywhere it is. It's a big part of who you are, and it's really funny because you I think can talk about this I feel like people don't always give bisexuals the distinction that they need to Mm yeah and I've I know this from you know my bisexual friends that talk about it they look at you they're like you're either just confused or don't want to admit something and I'm like no (laughs) it's
5: so what we get from the completely gay community from the the gays and the lesbians are well you get a choice And then what we get from the straight community is you're confused. It's like we're straddling a line of you're not accepted by either party for some reason. And it's like I understand that, you know, it's different for me when I'm fighting for gay marriage that, yes, I am sexually attracted to a man and a woman. So if I did want to marry a man, then that bill does not affect me. So I understand that sometimes that's their only choice. But, but that's it's also intersectionality like, by yeah, its definition, exactly. right? It's it like, doesn't
2: have to be about you for you to want to represent it.
5: Exactly.
2: I think that's so. a, I mean, I hate to say that. I think that comes from a, sometimes a white entitlement place because I don't feel that. Because yeah. when we are screaming about intersectionality, when we talk about feminists, mm-hmm. you know, especially, I mean, I cannot tell you how sometimes frustrated I get with some of my white feminist friends where I'm like, that is not the point. Like, yeah. I'm like wanting well, to do the clap with yeah, them.
5: Like, like
2: that <laughs> is not the point girl <laughs> you just you want to say that yeah. to them because if you just fight for It's a part of who I am. I'm a woman. I'm a black woman. You can't divide the two. If you don't fight for the black woman, you're essentially not fighting for me. It's like, well, I'm fighting for you as a woman. It doesn't work that way. You know, I was having the explanation about, you know, they're like, well, you know, women make seventy-eight dollars I was like, that's what white women make. Actually, for African-American women, it's 63 cents compared to a man. So can we talk about that?
5: Someone dared tell me that the wage gap is a myth. And I was like... Okay. <laughs> oh, Lord. Okay. <laughs> I mean,
2: we're dealing with the whole Brexit thing today. And I had oh a conversation God. with someone where I was talking to them about, you know, this is just xenophobia and racism yeah. manifest to a national scale. And they yeah. were like, this has nothing to do with racism. And I was like, oh my God. first of all, check your history books. Second mm-hmm. of all, look at who's in favor of this. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it, again. But this is the thing. You can't get tired head about it. You yeah. kind of just have to educate them.
5: Honestly, I've. There are battles that I can pick And there are battles that I just realize It's like talking to a brick wall Because a few weeks ago On our Achievement Hunter podcast I did a I got a little bit drunk (laughs) And the path was opened, we we started talking about feminism, and I kind of went down the road of talking about what it's like being a black bisexual woman in this company, and how we've never had to block the N-word before, but we have about 40 different spellings of it on our blacklist filters, because that's apparently all anyone wanted to say to me now that (sighs) I started showing up. And yeah. It's, filters are a good thing, though. Yeah. Filters are a very good thing. Yeah. But it's sad
2: that you that I have to do that. That you as soon as you show up is mm-hmm. when you have to do that. More importantly, are you saying that it never came up before or is this now we're paying attention to exactly. the fact that came
5: up before? Also, my favorite part is we we're talking about, oh, Bernie, what do you get said to you? That's an insult. He gets you're fat or you're not funny. I straight up get, oh, that yeah. string of expletives that's probably not appropriate for a podcast. Uh-huh. You know, and it's like there is a difference. And then, you know, in response to that, I got a lot of people who even people were saying, like, I'm a white man and I'm so sorry. I've never experienced that. Like, I didn't even know that was a thing. Like, I mentioned that I don't want to leave Austin. I don't want to drive outside in Texas.
2: Dude, seriously, I talk about I feel like every time I do right. an interview, I tell people when they realize that I'm a podcaster that lives in Austin. I'm like, but it's different. It's and different. I, in it's, Austin. it's sanity surrounded by crazy and we yeah. just hold on tight. (laughs)
5: And and I had people who were sending me fucking statistics saying, you're not going to get killed in Texas. Actually, I know some really nice Texans. So, like, how dare you generalize? Like, black someone actually sent me a statistic that said, black women are the least likely to get killed. I bet you're fine. And I'm like, do not talk to me about my experiences.
2: Sandra Bland literally down the road can we talk about it Mm. again i'm not saying that's all texas because you know houston has a great area dallas has a great area too but there's a lot of crazy Mm -hmm. in between
5: i don't drive through waco no also like donald trump has brought out some crazy
2: yeah that's it's a really weird moment that we're in right now mm -hmm. i feel like people need to take note i don't care where you Divide on the fence. Yeah. Look at what is going on because in 30 years, this is going to be a watershed moment. You don't know what's going to happen next. And you can't assume that just because most... People who, Most, yeah, support certain things are not going to do certain things. It's like, well, they're not going to do that. Well, Yeah, they, yeah are. they are. They're already talking about stuff that's scary. They're yeah. talking about banning people for their religion. You don't yeah. think that,
5: like, somebody's going to make the leap to skin color or something else next? They already have yeah. made the leap. Like, the leap's already there. There is no leap. We're standing right we, in the middle of that. And it's like, people who say racism is over, I'm like, girl, <laughs> no. It just, I don't know. It, it bothers me that i'm talking about my experiences in a personal way and someone says no yeah it's like i think louis ck did a quote that you're not allowed to tell someone that they haven't hurt you like if you say that you hurt me you're not allowed to tell me no i didn't because it's your feelings if i feel a certain way you can't
2: yeah like i've been discriminated against and i say that and you say no and try to mansplain it to me it's like oh mansplaining Oh, I mean let's let's talk about it but not to go on like a total tangent let's, yeah, let, no, let's, let's bring it back let's to you back, yeah. let's bring it back to you yeah but, I mean, it's a good thing, too, because you're dealing in gaming, and I feel like anybody who is a person of color or mm-hmm. a woman in gaming that doesn't talk about the environment, I feel like you're either burying your head in the sand or you're yep. just hoping that it's going to get better. Exactly. And, and neither of which is going to happen if you don't talk about it. And right. talk it out, because exactly, I feel, the unfortunately, the voice, the people that have the loudest voice in gaming sometimes, it's not everybody, you know what yeah. I mean? Because there's plenty of, you know, normal, married-with-kids guys that'll play overwatch until seven in the morning, but they're not going to call someone the N word in a chat room either. Right. It's the, you know, that other person, you yeah. know, who, you know, talks about, you know, other things. <laughs> I, I really want to say, it's like, it's about, um, it's about gaming journalistic integrity.
5: Oh We're just going to say that. We're oh going to say God. anything else
2: because yeah. we don't mm-hmm. want anybody else to say anything else, no, but I, I feel anybody yeah. who puts that line out there, I'm like. Okay. Yeah. We're done. We're going to stop talking about it right now. So what's it been like so far with Rooster Teeth? How have you been liking it down here? I mean, and and really changing the script. I mean, you just graduated school and now you're walking into this. Yeah,
5: I I do. It's like, other than, you know, the crazies that do come along, I think that... I don't mind being the person to break the barrier, to take the brunt of it, because I know that I have such great friends here. I've such a solid group. Because I worked with Rooster Teeth for, like, two, three years before I got officially hired, I have so many friends that I can turn to and be like, I need someone to lean on, you know? It's just, it's a good environment here, and it's very friendly. It's, it's lots of... The personas that you see are exaggerated, obviously, because that's the internet. It's like Michael's not actually just an angry asshole all the time. He's a very sweet guy, and I love him. But I don't know. I feel like everybody's very larger than life. Everybody's very open and welcome, and you can really collaborate. And if you want to work on something, just talk to your manager and see if you can work it out. It's it's a nurturing environment, and I'm happy. I'm happy that I came here right after college, because after being in such a structured collegiate. University scenario, coming to Rooster Teeth and being like, oh, so wait, in my downtime, I'm allowed to play video games? It's kind of your job anyway, though. Yeah. (laughs) Like, I I, I stream specific games, and then if I'm done editing or just taking a break, I could just watch my friends on Game Grumps or, you know, play a few rounds of Overwatch. It's relaxing. Don't get me wrong. It's a lot of work. I'm stressed and I'm tired. Like, dear lord. As everyone is. Yeah. It's fun. I think... It's one of those dream jobs that just didn't exist as a kid. Yeah. You know? And it's kind of cool. I mean, what I do here,
2: it's like I get to interview people, go to events, and do fun stuff. I right. mean, that's what we're gearing up for here now is next weekend is, it'll be right before this podcast posts, RTX, which yep. is Rooster Teeth's sort of the internet meets gaming. Can you kind of give us like a rundown of what RTX does and is?
5: Yeah. So, RTX started... Geez, so many years ago. 2011? Yeah, I think? five years ago. Yeah, five years ago. Started in a tent, apparently, and it's Rooster Teeth Expo. So it's specifically focused on our company, what we do here, all of our mini branches from Achievement Hunter to Funhouse to animation, et cetera, et cetera. Now movie Productions. Now movie productions, and now the Let's Play Network, which is a bunch of Let's Players on YouTube getting together to do gaming. And it's huge now. We've taken over the entire convention and two hotels <laughs> for all weekend. And it's three days of just fun panels, games, and a lot of outside people from Rooster Teeth. I mean, oh yeah, Andre
2: from you know Black Nerd Comedy will be here, mm-hmm. and I'm trying to think of some Pro other, Jared. Yeah, Gerard, some of the
5: Completionists, the Game, game Grumps. Groups. Yeah, um, we have lots of professional cosplayers because Jessica Negri works with us okay. on voice acting, so she's coming in. Heidi, who is married to Pro Jared, she's a great cosplayer. She's coming in. What I love about RTX is, even though this year I'm working it, I'm stressed as all living hell, all of my friends from out of town come together in one place, because I started in the community. So I have so many community friends, and everybody piles into, like, one condo, <laughs> or, like, one hotel room, and I get to see everybody, and usually people come a week before and stay a week after. So it's just, like, three weeks of pure fun. And That's it's awesome. literally the internet IRL. Yes. You know, because it's... People come in from all over the world. Like, I thought it was just the country until some a fan came up to me last year and was like, I'm from Russia. I was like, that's expensive. <laughs> but that's the Internet. Yeah, that's the Internet. That's they the save internet. up all year to come to RTX to meet Bernie, to meet Barbara, to meet me, which is weird to me. <laughs> I still don't get used to it. It's it's so much fun. And we have main stage like gaming where they're going to do live heists, you know, and and Grand Theft Auto and stuff. And Very cool. It's just a bunch of fun. Yeah, that's the one thing I will say. It's very laid back. It's
2: very Austin.
5: Very Austin. Um, <laughs> it's
2: very chill, but it still has a lot of information. Like just looking over the panels, there's a diversity panel. There's the LGBTQ panel. There's talks about how to get involved in Let's Play, how to get involved yeah. with streaming. I like to think of it as... You know, a very Texas Austin version of PAX in a lot of ways because there's a lot of, but whereas in that is still like a showcase, this is mm-hmm. really more about I think having fun. It's much more oh, yeah. about a celebration. It's so. a
5: fun PAX. Yes, because PAX is is PAX and E3 have kind of become devs go and show off their things, and you can't get into it. It's hard to get into. Yeah, it's becoming like that. Yeah. I, I mean, did you go to East this past year? No, you I did not. You yeah. did not, but, but yeah, I did go to E3.
2: I didn't go to E3 because I kind of got burnt out at East because I was like, I was like, I was like, I can't, I can't do both because they're all fun and they're all a lot of great networking and definitely a lot of great information. But I feel like almost like it's sort of like the way Comic-Con is. It's like, you have to go about it like a job Mm -hmm. and then hope that fun finds itself. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if I (laughs) want to do that.
5: It's less dudes in suits at RTX, more girls in tank tops.
2: Yes. And That's that's. and that's cool. Yeah. And, that, and that's cool. And that's normalizing of it. Um, exactly. So that's awesome. So you're excited for RTX next weekend. 110%. And percent One more thing I was going to ask you too is obviously your geeky behavior is pretty well out there. <laughs> but I like to ask people, what's your super secret geeky behavior? Like, what do you oh, like? Man. People don't know this about you, but this is really nerd tastic.
5: I know exactly what it is. So people know. The outside. I'm a weeb. I also used to really hardcore be in the supernatural fandom. Wow. But people don't know that I am definitely a hardcore, like, yaoi fangirl really? and the shipper. Okay, talk about yaoi so they
2: don't know. Okay, yaoi
5: yeah. is 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 another term for like boys love, guy on guy. Mm-hmm. You know, yes. Nonsense. Oh, yeah, you like know. you know,
2: like <laughs> Septiplier or whatever it is. Like I
5: didn't know that was a thing, but yes, <laughs> <laughs> that's the people that
2: think Jack Septikai and Markiplier are really in love.
5: Gotcha. IRL shipping.
2: Yes. That's yes. yeah, 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 and But that they're really, like, a love match, and there's, like, fan fiction on it.
5: I mean, that that is a thing. That is definitely a thing <laughs> to each their own. Yeah. But I used to read and write Destiel fan fiction. Wow. Because I was hardcore. and I mean, I still love Destiel. I'm, okay. I'm still Destiel fangirl at heart. But yeah, no, like shipping is my thing. My list of ships goes on. Yes,
2: and but you like to do the mail on mail ones, like
5: I'm also a girl love, like girl. No, girl I girl. I, I, yeah. I
2: will tell you because you're actually hitting my secret, which now I feel like I've said it in every single podcast. But I do, <laughs> I do. I'm a writer, but I do fan fiction, but I never put my name on my fan fiction Same. because it's really dirty and Same.
5: really awful. Same. I have an archive of our own with my name on it for reading, and I have yes. one with that no one will ever know no, for writing. But
2: exactly. It's like mm-hmm. you do not know this came from me nope. but yeah i've written some sherlock fan fiction some girl down- dude, john Locke, dude yes wait some downton abbey fan fiction which i just started doing last
5: year really it's
2: um let's just say there's some there's some love between the ladies
5: love it love it i think my my guiltiest pleasure of all which is so hard for me to admit but i, I will I'm, I'm gonna do it because i love y'all <laughs> I, I am a sucker I just discovered them last year for reader insert fix. Who's this? I don't know. It's when it's character slash you. Oh, reader insert insert fix. Oh, wow. Like I fell down the rabbit hole and I can't climb out. I can't
2: climb that. Every- Don't you feel like Tumblr is always where that rabbit hole starts, though? Yes, Tumblr it's- is the definition of the rabbit hole. But it's like, as much as I love Tumblr, it's like you—it's not like when you go to a YouTube hole. It's mm-hmm. just watching videos. When you right. go down a Tumblr hole, it in. gets there. Like you get dark and deep. Oh, you know? deep, you get You get some Rule Thirty Four stuff yeah. that you just didn't know about.
5: And you start finding kinks that you didn't know inside of you. Like something unlocks, and you're like. Wait, what? We don't want to talk about it. Yeah, you can, like, flip the phone over, like, close the laptop and sit there in bed and just kind of, like, contemplate yourself. Like, what does this say about me Yeah, as a person? I've read some things where I'm like... Mika, what? <laughs> what What does that mean for you?
2: you don't question it. I, oh, yeah. I'm a firm believer that if anybody checks my Goodreads online database mm-hmm. or looks at my fan fiction, they will just see a side of me that is just not same. something that they want to know. Oh, but. same.
5: Like, Overwatch came out, and that's been my... Go to. Mm-hmm. And I'm sad to say that there are not enough McCree reader fan fictions out there. There are like 10 on Archive of Our Own. I think I've read them each. But there's 10 a ton times. of
2: Tracer ones. Tracer has a, like
5: a lexicon. But like, that's the thing. It's like, okay, I love you, Tracer, but give me my McCree. Give me my cowboy. It's, it's, it's always like that, right? It's always like always a character that you love, the pairing that you love. I've definitely fallen in love with a, like, a very unusual pairing before, and there have been like five fan fictions. That's
2: it. The best like, is when you oh. think of the unusual pairing unusual pairing mm-hmm. before it happened. So, like, the Rishon shippers mm-hmm. and then it became real. And it was like... Out. I, it was a week of just Rishon is real. That is when I'm excited yeah. um, more than anything. Oh, so, for
5: sure. I'm still um, holding out for Destiel. <laughs> so,
2: hopefully, we'll see you also at Comic-Con and oh, um, yeah. tons of stuff for the rest of year. So, tell our audience where they can find you online.
5: It's pretty much at Mika Burton for everything, for Twitter, for YouTube, for Steam, I think. So, if you just do insert social media at Mika Burton, you'll find me there. Also on Snapchat, I post memes because I'm trash. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Snapchat
2: is one of those things where you either live in it or you don't.
5: Yep, yeah, I, I live in it hard. I'm a filter whore. <laughs> I love Snapchat filters so much. There's something wrong with me.
2: <laughs> well, thank you so much for sitting down with us and uh, we'll having. see you next weekend.
5: Yeah, RTX, man. It's going to be crazy.
2: All right. Thank you, Mika. Thank you.
0: Actor Jaiman Hounsou has appeared in such films as Gladiator, In America, Blood Diamond, and Guardians of the Galaxy. He has been nominated for a Golden Globe Award, three Screen Actors Guild Awards, and two Academy Awards. In this one-on-one interview with Joel, he talks about his latest role in the film The Legend of Tarzan.
1: Black Girl Nerds, and I have the pleasure of sitting here with Jaiman Hansu, two-time Oscar nominee, super awesome actor, model, who's here to talk to us about his latest film, Yay. Legend of Tarzan.
7: Black Girl Nerds. <laughs>
1: um, Jaiman, can you tell us a little bit about your character?
7: Oh, yes. I, uh, I Jaiman Hounsou, plays uh, Chief Bonga in uh, Legend of Tarzan. I, um, what am I? What am I? What am I? Uh, I'm a chief uh, who Tarzan wrongfully uh, did something to. And, okay, yeah. And I'm willing to trade anything to get him back so I can just resolve that. Um, Conflict.
1: Yeah, yeah. In the film, it seems like there's three kind of distinct tribes we see throughout. Can you tell us a little bit about your group?
7: Uh, My group is a a group uh, a force to be reckoned with. (laughs) (laughs) My group is uh, the legitimate, uh, legit uh, group in that uh, setting.
1: Yeah, the kind of beasts on that mountain, just you know, uh, having that high vantage point and. uh, it's kind of scary. It's really intimidating yes. when you get that first reveal of them.
7: Mm.
1: Especially you with these great like tiger claws on. Uh, were those like fun to wear? Were they practical at all, or were they super dull?
7: No, not really practical. But <laughs> they look cool.
1: They do look very cool. They look great on screen. Not
7: practical, but look cool. Um, no, I must say that uh, this uh, this take on Tarzan is a very uh, one. On God, Tarzan, and uh, in which uh, he suddenly, obviously, took matters to, in, in his own hands and to, uh, you know, uh, uh, extinguish my son, and uh, and that's our uh, rivalry here, and uh, and I think it's a rivalry that's not. I mean, if you, from what you saw, you saw the film, yeah. you, you probably. Uh, uh, feel like uh, this is not a uh, uh, there's no nothing settled, yeah, nothing settled yet. It's almost like uh, we leave each other still on a, that bitter note.
1: Yeah, the enemy you know, of my enemy is my friend. The enemy of my enemies are my friend. Absolutely. We talked a little bit about these uh, two-hour kind of uh, coordinated fight. Uh, training sessions that mm-hmm. you had with uh, Alexander Skarsgård can you talk a little bit more about that and what that process was like
7: uh, it, it was a very nice process I mean certainly, you know we were uh, um, it, it, it's a journey I mean like you it's not like you You are not comfortably waking up in the morning and stroll yourself to set <laughs> comfortably casually dressed and sort of like wait for okay uh, on set Roll it, action. But you know, here you come. You're training in the morning. Oh. During the day, as you're fighting, you're training still. In between takes, you're training. I mean, it was a, uh, it, it was a serious, uh, yeah. That
3: it was sounds a serious dedication.
1: exhaustive.
7: It, was, it, it, it truly, yeah. You were exhausted at the end of the day.
1: How did you take care of yourself after hours, then? you just go well, after, to sleep well
7: after hours you're, you're pooped yeah Oh, you get to the hotel is like throw I mean you barely just get your bag in and it's like throw yourself in bed and that's it and so it's trying to recoup with sleep and uh, and resting the body from being so active on set you know I mean you know I mean 24 hours I mean like, uh, within those 24 hours you got at least 12 of that you know standing running walking you know and now on top of it you have to be fighting mm-hmm. doing a fight scene you know, we were fighting all day.
1: It's incredible. Um, I really, really enjoyed this film. Where can we see you next? What are your future projects looking like?
7: Uh, the, the, well, the, the, you know, I mean, Knights of the Round Table coming out next year. Yes. Uh, 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 same kind of difference as me. You, you know, um, Sumo Samurai.
1: Uh, you stay busy. You don't ever rest.
7: Yeah, no, I mean, I mean, it's good to be busy. Yeah. Suddenly, I mean, you know, we don't want to be resting at home where twisting your fingers. It? <laughs>
1: Nothing happening. Nothing happening.
7: Got to get out and make things happen. Yes, you got to get out. You got to be out there. You got to be making things happen. Because if you're not doing it, somebody else will be doing it. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: Thank you so much for your time today. We really
7: appreciate
3: it. It's been pleasure. a pleasure. pleasure. Mm-hmm. Nerd dance. <laughs>
0: Ashley Terrell is the author of The Black Sheep Shadow. The Black Sheep Shadow speaks on the undertones that hinder people from reaching their true potential. Ashley goes into an in depth discussion about fictional writing and gives advice for other writers out there on the best ways to hone their craft.
2: Hi, I am Tora with Black Girl Nerds, and I have the lovely Miss Ashley Terrell with me. And she is the author of The Black Sheep Shadow. Hi, Ashley.
6: Hi, how are you?
2: I'm doing great. So um, you are an author of this amazing book. I read some of the reviews for it and I read a couple excerpts from it, so I'm really excited to talk to you about it.
6: Why, thank you. <laughs> I'm very, very happy to be here and to be able to uh, talk about the book. Thank you for having me.
2: Of course, of course, we're always excited to talk to fellow black girl nerds, you know that, so...
6: Absolutely.
2: So tell us a little bit about your book.
6: Well, The Black Sheep Shadow definitely is, is a nonfiction book that I, I wrote... Towards the late last year, I finished it up early this year. And the book means so much to me. Just the writing process of it was so organic and so authentic. And what I wanted to bring to the surface with this book is that our story is really what we we write it to be. Uh, we, We all go through things in our life where, you know... We really have to put ourselves to the ultimate test to see how far we can push ourselves to, to be able to really honestly get up, get out of our situation. And so, with the Black Sheep Shadow, it goes over the course of a couple of years of my life where I felt as if I I thought as if you know my life was to to be ending, but it really turned out to be an awesome foundation to an awesome story, an awesome testimony and i wanted to really bring it in for the for the readers for black sheep shadow that you can really do anything that you put your mind to it really all depends on how you look at life yeah. that really will tell you exactly how long you will be in a certain season or in a certain place in your life
8: yeah
2: well people definitely need that type of encouragement so you know thank you for sharing that part of your life with us and being that open to reveal what you went through and how you got through that place in your life. That's amazing that you were able to do that. Tell us a little bit about what inspires you to write.
6: The biggest thing that inspires me to write, I will honestly have to say what I see has a lot to do with it. Sometimes I I can really read into what's in front of me, and then sometimes I'm able to maybe see a snippet of, of what could possibly be. And it's left there. So for me to to have a fascination with writing, it really helps me um, be able to really talk about the things that like I really want to talk about. Uh, for the readers of the Black Sheep Shadow, they will understand what the closed door policy was in my household. So yeah. it was kind of hard for me at times to really speak up on what I see and what I hear and how I feel because no one was listening. And um, not only were they not listening, but I think it was more or less now getting older, they didn't really understand the language of what I was talking. And it was because I was to go in the opposite direction from everybody else. So writing inspires me. I started around 18 or 19. And so it really just keeps me afloat with, with my feelings and my regards to things. I just want to be sure... That when I do write, it is authentic, and that it is something that I'm able to relate to my to my readers about. Writing really does that for me.
2: Wow, wow, that's amazing. <laughs> well, who would you say oh, has been the greatest influence friends. on your writing?
6: Oh wow, um, this answer might sound a little weird, but <laughs> I will honestly say my eyes are the biggest influence of. Uh, of my my writing or my reading because I see so much and sometimes I can see like I said again I, I can see very small microscopic things but then you know I'm able to see something that I can tell a whole picture so that's definitely not only my aspiration but it's in, it's my inspiration it's my motivation and it's some of really a lot of the the passion I have behind writing it, it comes from from my eyes being really my 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 inspiration of of what comes to life on paper So I mean you can't be mad at that
2: <laughs> <laughs> For your readers What would you say is the biggest thing That you would want them to take away
0: From your work
6: Oh wow that's a really good question um, What would I want the reader To take away from me Look, if you, have you know to I honestly <laughs> Getting older And uh, especially with after writing The Black Sheep Shadow It really dawned on me Life is what is what we make it. We can make it as simple or we can make it as hard. It all depends on what avenue we choose to go down. And if we are looking to go down an avenue where we feel and think we're going to get everything that we want to find out it has an ultimate price more than what we thought we have bargained ourselves or bargained our life to include, that really that really helps us figure out what road and what season we're going to stay in for a, a long time. So, yeah. one of the biggest things I definitely want people to take from from my life and especially from my writing is that don't deviate from from your original plan. If your original plan was to to be a chef, you know, be a chef, stick to what you want to do, stick to what you believe is is something that's for you. Along the way in time and in life, things will uncover themselves to you to help put you either in the yes or no category in regards to what your goals are and what you want to have happen. But, you know, don't don't let the people around you, um, if they're not there to influence you in a positive way, you might want to check your circle.
2: Yeah. OK, that's, that's very good advice. So where so- can we find your work?
6: Awesome. Um, well, you can definitely uh, check it out on www.blacksheepandcompany.com. Also, The Black Sheep Shadow is available on amazon.com. The reviews, as well, is on amazon.com. Yeah. And <laughs> um, www.aterellenterprises.com, as well, has my book.
2: Well, thank you for that. Now, if someone reads your work and thinks, "Oh my goodness, I just have to <laughs> I just have to follow her on some social network where <laughs> she's so amazing. Where would they be able to find you?"
6: Oh, you can definitely find me over at um, Instagram. You can definitely look up uh, Danny Dangerous, and that's with a three versus an E. And you can also look me up on Twitter, Dangerous Vixen, as well. And I'll be more than happy to interact with any of my readers and my fans.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's amazing. Again, thank you so much for sharing this with us. Thank Um, you. (laughs) Is there anything else that you wanted to add that you want to tell the listeners?
6: Wow. Honestly, you know, the the world as we know it right now, we have a lot of different things going on. uh, Just from the different changes in lifestyles down to the politics, which I feel like they all go into the same category. Just really just be who you are. Understand, like, being who you are never goes out of style. There's never a clearance rack. For being yourself. So, no one can tell you how much you're worth as long as you know first and foremost. And as long as you know those two things, it's like you'll never be alone as long as you love yourself. So, you know, just, you know, my biggest thing, show yourself respect, respect yourself, and you want higher. The higher you want, you'll understand so much more about yourself. So, just be honest and be authentic.
2: Wow. Um, uh, More great advice. Well, it was (laughs) lovely to speak with you. You've given me so much to think about, and I'm sure anybody that's listening has a lot to think about as well. Oh, (laughs) thanks. Again, thanks for coming on Black Girl Nerds.
6: Thank you so much.
0: (laughs) Dominic Cooper is an English actor who's worked in television, film, theater, and radio. He starred in films such as The Devil's Double, Mamma Mia, and he's currently known in the Marvel Cinematic Universe as Howard Stark and appeared in films such as Captain America the First Avenger and also on the TV show Agent Carter. Dominic currently plays the role of Jesse Custer on the AMC show Preacher. Ruth Negga is an Ethiopian Irish actress known for appearances in films such as Isolation, Breakfast on Pluto, and currently Warcraft. She's also known for TV shows, such as the BBC miniseries Criminal Justice, and plays the role of Reina in Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Ruth currently plays the role of Tulip O'Hare in AMC's Preacher. Just a quick production note, this was filmed in a restaurant where there's a lot of ambient noise, so we do apologize for the conversations being overheard in the background. For the most part, the interview can be heard pretty well.
9: In the first episode you have, yes. the scene with the little boy, you're talking about violence, the escalation of violence, we asked you yeah. about hurting his father or his mother's uh, boyfriend. Yeah. Was that a way for you to get into the character? Was that something that that, that particular... Oh, that speech, that yeah, about uh, well, yes, it was because the way in which I was directed and the way Sam talked to me about that speech was there was a certain amount of as I got lost in the thought of it and the memory, whatever memory I was contemplating, I was relishing it, and actually, as I was getting lost in it, it was about revealing Jesse's urges, actually. And what's sort of bubbling under the surface and what he's trying desperately to um, restrain himself from being. So it was a good moment. Really. As was the fight sequence at the end where he smiles and reveals actually the the relief, like a drug addict, like someone who's been desperate to just... And when he sees someone treated, when he sees something wrong, someone wronging someone like that, and he sees this child who's in pain he probably reminds himself very much... Um, of himself I mean, he has a very disturbing childhood he, people often ask is Jesse a good man trying to, who's doing bad things or a bad man trying to do good I think he is genuinely good he's had a rotten upbringing and he's had a really tough time he's trying his hardest to be the person he thinks his father wanted him to be but, but I haven't actually thought about that, all that speech and, and I think it, it, it was and I remember doing it and actually I think which was a great compliment but originally that was written and they were going to use cuts of the fight of a fight of a sequence that was taking place as I was speaking to the boy but instead they just held it and I think that I think that's powerful in a way because I think you can he, he forgets that he's talking to him. he's actually lost in the idea of violence and um and what it means to him and how his life has been completely um, affected by it. So
4: is that a tough character to get to play every day sometimes then? I mean, look at today, we're living in a very violent culture, so every episode you're contemplating the nature of
9: violence. and and Yeah, I'm too huge. There are two subject matters in which I'm perpetually confused by and upset by today being extraordinarily upsetting. and People talk to me about this show and the vital nature of it occasionally, but I'm much more perturbed and disturbed by what we are capable of as human beings each time I turn the radio on or or watch the news. um, And I don't think it's gratuitous in this, and I don't think it's violence for violence' sake. I think that each time it's seen or mentioned, it's an unearthing and a discovery of each of those personalities and the people in it um, and, that, and it doesn't continue in that vein you don't get through huge sequences like you do in that first one but they reveal the identity of who we're dealing with who these characters are that we're to follow and in a way carefully and hope that they get out of the plight of violence the violence in their life has only caused damage and pain which I think i become very aware of very quickly and he's struggling in that he, he knows that it's, that it's right to get away from it and to try and do right for these people he's desperate for that feeling that he had as a child and desperate for that idea of home and love um, without it being tarnished by um, hate and, and, and violence. But it is a hard character to play. It's not always on his mind. It's not the thing. He's just striving to do what's bet, what's right. And, it's, and it confuses him. He's got people pulling him in different directions. And he's someone who hasn't had a proper upbringing or childhood, so he doesn't really know what that is. But he, he has a memory of something good, and the, the small amount of time which he had with his father who was a very good man um, is trying desperately to cling on to him
2: so you mentioned about the conflict within him because I think that's the obviously the biggest thing I noticed from both the comics and the adaptation. So he's got himself, he's got his father, he's got Tulip and his outside friends. What do you feel is the one that, in a way, conflicts him the most? Is it his internal or maybe some of the outside conflicts with the character that kind of sort of drive him?
9: He's got so many. You're right. He has Tulip's the love of his life so essentially. it's the only thing remote and close to family that he has, and yet okay. she's trying to pull him in a direction, which is wrong, he knows, is dangerous and volatile, and can only lead to more a, a worse future. There's no there's no hope or goodness in that. This guy's turned up who's kind of his best friend, who's someone who challenges his idea of religion and of the world and what it means to be alive. But he loves his company. Because at last he's got someone, a drinking buddy, who is opinionated and confronts his own opinions. You've got someone like Eugene, who highlights everything that Jesse is doubting about religion and God and his faith. And then you have this entity which is pulling him in two completely separate directions. It's probably already like that anyway, which is why the entity can exist within him. I think he's both good and evil, Jesse, in equal measure. Yeah, that's what we're dealing with. That's the man. That, I think that's why he's. That's why I was so attracted to playing him as a character. That's, that's a, a conflict in oneself is always an interesting. It's what we we we, we all dealing with it on a daily basis aren't we what's right and what's wrong which often choose it's a constant battle isn't it do we learn are we taught that are we taught that by our parents do we know that when we're born it's a very interesting uh, conversation you talk a little bit about your own relationship with comic books and graphic novels whether that was something that was there before you you started making the films and the shows whether this is something that perhaps you sort of found an interest in as a result of yeah, definitely the latter. It's, it's, uh, it's uh, said with regret because they are they're so vivid and they have such wonderful imagination and such colour and they're very clever and I really. I kind of, as a child, seem to remember, and that the comic books were very different in the UK. But I kind of turned my nose up. At them. I don't know why. I was just, well, I was wanting to be on my bike and I wanted to be outside. So I couldn't. That's all I knew. That's all I wanted to do. Odd child. That's all I wanted to do. But now I look at them, and I'm, i I really feel like I missed out on the very, very um, I think my reading would have improved I think my imagination I think I would have got more interested in film more quickly the way that the, uh, the kind of I mean inter- I've been interested in photography for years and as I have with film but the way they set the shots up the way your imagination brings them to life as you're reading them, the way you put the voices into the characters which is why there's a huge responsibility to do, make an adaptation well because there's already like, such... Yeah. Uh, they're already so vivid and so colourful for the reader and for the people who have loved them and grown up with them that we have to do something quite different. That's why I think they've done such a good job of preaching. They've really Not only have kind of made it into a prequel so we get to understand the world in which these people exist and the reasons behind what they're doing, but they've also got the tone of it very already managed to kind of just get that exact think the people who grew up loving that comic will like what they're, what we've done with it.
2: Have you had any fan interactions so far? with
4: I, been I like...
9: try and ignore. I don't know. Not so. <laughs> I, don't, I dread to think. I mean, I, you know, if I opened up one yeah. of those, okay. you know, when you approach when you're approaching comics like this, and I know because I've done adaptations with video games and comics and novels, you're just going to get you. You can't. You reach a point where you go, this is now mine, I have to do what I feel from the work I've done, from me and the relationship I have with the people creating. This is this is the point we've reach. And the truth behind it is you put yourself very much in the firing line for discussion and for doubt because people are have very strong opinions and when people have strong opinions they have the ability to talk at length about what their opinions mean and why they keep their opinions stand and that's fine But me
2: have not come up and I love you Jesse Custer like I
8: figured you'd have that already
9: (laughs) (laughs) no (laughs) (laughs) No,
8: okay let me do it for you we love you (laughs) as Jesse Custer
2: there
9: you go thank you I am interested I am interested the truth is some people will hate it what I've done with the character and some people in their imagination it's very different from how he is in the comics the truth is, I could only get a certain amount from the comic. I could only—you've got to get under the skin and create a real person. And, it was, and that's come from Sam. Who's, and this is not to discredit Garth; they are very vivid. But it's, it's, it's hard to take lift a comic character, a comic character off the page, and make him real. That's about finding the backstory from a writer's perspective and, and the relationship that he has with his family and with the people in the. In the. But people will hate it. People will like it. Yeah
4: talking to Sam a little bit about Tula's characters and having read the comics, think there's a lot of her, I love to read the comics, but there's a lot of reacting to Jessie, uh, yeah. whereas in the show, in the first four that we've seen, she's uh, very autonomous, carrying more of her own story. I'm curious about how that plays out down the line, and how you
9: feel about that. Well, again, I think that they are the center of each other's world, but they're on a very different mission. Right? But they are all really either have in the world, and she's, she's out for revenge at this point in time. She's on a very specific mission. Um, and I can't be dragged down that route when I'm trying to do
8: I'm trying to clean up even
9: though I do anything for her. Um, and it's going to be very exciting to see how that unfolds and whether Jesse cracks, where he ends up, how they help each other. Out of that then, kind of out of the loggerheads that they find themselves in with this problem, the, and the journey that they then embark upon together, and how that relationship unfolds, and the trust and the dynamic within the group of three—a group of three is a nightmare in any case. You know, you know, we know that growing up, it doesn't work. So it'll be interesting to see how this group of lunatics gets on when they get on the road and go in search of what they're in search of but no I think that not that she's underwritten in common, but as you say, she's reactive to Jesse's plight and to what he was doing she's very much her own personality she's extraordinarily strong and it's great that Ruth and I know each other so well from before because I think it's really helped that dynamic in the show in the show anyway. Right, he we was saying that he plays up her anger issues a lot, as opposed to... She could be very open and so say exactly how she feels. Their relationship, our relationship is very similar to their relationship in the show. Um, uh, which is great, yeah. it just works. And it's all complete coincidence, um, how we were cast...
2: Was it early on that you knew she was going to be involved in it to where you could be like, oh, well, I hope you...
9: I think when she was auditioning, I read, I read with her for the first auditions that they sent off before I was even... before would stolen the script. Mm. I think I, I read in... Jesse, I suppose. I read in... Uh, yeah. uh, probably in a really bad English accent on mm-hmm. a terrible text. Messages. I don't know, I can't remember. I definitely read in... She... <laughs>
2: It's funny that you um, mentioned the accent, because I know people ask you about it, but have you picked up any sort of slang? Because if you're okay with it, I have a couple of Texas sayings, and I want to know if you can... Identify you, what you're saying.
4: Yes. If you're down for it. If you're not... I'm definitely total... down for it. Okay, so okay. If I'm down, I'll
2: get it right. <laughs> so, so here's one. If you want to try it in your favorite oh, Jesse... Yeah. That's a saying that people actually say. Caddy I don't
9: know how to say
2: it. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, you go. Caddy Okay, what do you
9: think it means? Caddy Wampus. You know it.
2: <laughs> That means when something's askew, it's cattywampus. Yeah, it's so if something's crooked...
9: So something's gone, that's a rock. Right.
2: Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. All right, I'll give you one more here. so... here you go. <laughs> that one means I've got some that... i fixing to do. <laughs> no. <laughs> fixing to do means that you are about to do something. So, like, I'm fixing to do this. I'm fixing oh, yeah, to go yeah. interview... Oh, yeah, now you said... Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm fixing to me. do oh, this. Right, well,
9: yes. All right, one more. That
7: uh, dog won't hunt.
2: That dog won't hunt. Okay, that one means that that's just not going to happen. Like you're not ah, going to go right. there. That's not hunt. They're Very good. Okay.
8: Right.
9: No, you know what? They'll put them in the script in two weeks, and it won't even. I do matter. have to ask when Sam puts these in the script. <laughs> I, have, I have no idea.
8: What, this has I've been just, an educational
2: just say it. experience. Say it well, outside of Texas, mm-hmm. people don't know these either. Like there's yeah, there's northern like uh, mm-hmm. if you live down here, you'll hear caddy mm-hmm. fish, you'll hear do yeah. yeah. a lot.
7: Yeah.
2: You know. we. Yes, yeah, I say the to do. Like, I'm fixing to go interview Donna Cooper today. Like, that's what I said. I said. Right. <laughs> but the to do and Wampus are real. Fact. Thank you.
9: Thank you. Thank you. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm,
2: so, I'm so sorry.
4: <laughs> I really love the relationship between Eugene and Jesse. And there's this, this child who everyone else doesn't see as, you know, a person. They see him as a character. But Jesse does see him as a human. This child always is coming to him for guidance and for validation. There's this hesitance in Jesse. Is it that he doesn't want the responsibility of leading this child down possibly a dark path, or is he trying to protect him from no. him? He knows there's even bigger batter
9: out there. Up to four. I mean, what Jesse ends up doing dangerous beyond anything you can imagine. He's terrified it's of anything. him because every time he speaks to him, he speaks the truth, and he underlines Jesse's biggest fear, which is his voice.
8: But it's
4: not like
9: has gone missing. His, his faith is th- So he can't actually yeah. ask giving any good advice. Uh,
4: maybe you should t- Eugene's kind of
9: advising Jesse <laughs> in many ways. And he doesn't think it. He, he, he knows he should feel that Eugene is innocent to firing on every cylinder to what he believes to be good and all powerful and for the good of people to, to plummeting into despair. Um, Yes, yeah, so, I mean, all that that helped very much a bit to the work that I did now. It certainly helped, I suppose, the people creating this show to see that I could colour him with those with those um, those dynamics. I suppose. I think
2: the cast, it consists of, you know, a lot of members in the UK. Um, how is that sort of looking at America, because Sam was talking about it earlier, this shows America in a very honest way, maybe not a way that most people are looking at it that way, but um, how is it, you know, seeing it from a lens of someone that, you know, is not necessarily American, seeing this very sort of different portrayal of religion and, and sort of doctrine and how you brought to believe certain things. How did that sort of color yeah. how you brought the character to life?
9: Well, I often think I often think that people's interpretation of where I grew up and um, uh, the world in which I live or like a director I worked with years ago who was depicting 60s London saw bits of London that I would never and bits of the personality of people within that city much more clearly than I would ever and I think sometimes when you're when you're not immersed in a society or in a world, you have a much bit more maybe simplistic but clearer and kind of defined aspects of the people and the world in which they inhabit. But I, per- I mean, I don't think this is a, just a depiction of America. I think I don't miss, this particular town could be a small town anywhere in the middle of any, I and mean, the country is vast. Texas is vast, very humongous. I mean, I this is bigger than where I come from. <laughs> the, 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 the state is bigger than the country. Which I mean, that's that's such a scale I can't comprehend. You know, like, I just, well, my, the thing I couldn't comprehend about America when I first arrived here and it very it informs personalities, it informs speech, behavior, it forms space in an environment, a room. Um, like we're all kind of like like this, and so that's a different. But and I understand. I didn't grow up in a with a because I thought about religion, and I didn't grow up in a family that was religious. But you can't help but be aware of it and um, it being part uh, of everyday yeah, life. Really, yeah, I can yeah. relate to in a way what uh, it must yeah, mean in, in a town way. such as our creator around, where it's the centre, where it's that I can understand that it needs something to bring everyone together, it's, uh, and the importance of that, and therefore the importance of what Jesse's trying to do in that town, which is bring these lost souls back together. And I find that a really interesting part of this. And that's that's to me was what before I knew what Preacher was, before I knew what the comments were and what they meant. That's what it was to me. It was a small town in America with this kind of almost cruttled preacher who's useless, but bad, but but that I didn't that's all I knew that had. So I was like, this is really interesting. There's people in this town that are really interesting. They're, they're really on the edge, they're falling to pieces. And is this man gonna be able to bring them together? And then suddenly there's someone a glass Face. And I was like, going on here <laughs> but, um... yeah
2: that was definitely the moment my friends when I told them watch the premiere they were like what is this like everyone's blowing up my phone like what did you get us to watch because it's a very it's a very different show up until that point so yeah. Yeah. but very exactly.
9: good. nice speaking to you all thank, so
6: thank you so much thank you so much show? and thank you thank for doing you. that
9: I appreciate it no I love it that. <laughs> 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 Ruth what was your way into the character was there a particular scene that sort of drew you into
8: Mainly the first scene Mm-hmm. <laughs> um corn. Exactly. Yeah. I just was sort of like, I never really read a scene like that. That um, yeah. <laughs> explosive, really, and sort of kind of upended convention about like what kind of you expect from a female character in a kind of comic representation. Yeah. But it wasn't just kind of like sort of one colour, there's kind of so many nuances to her in that yeah. one scene. Yeah. I mean, well, from the cornfield to the to when she leaves, mm-hmm. I really sort of thought this is a uh, this is one of the most nuanced characters I've ever read. It's, I mean, I know kind of did like a lot of broad brushstrokes there, but um, <laughs> I have a question. Um, Dominic mentioned
2: earlier that you guys read pretty early on in your audition process. What did you guys read as that
8: first scene? I think I read all of the pilot. Oh, okay, all these, Yeah, he he was doing the he was reading with me on uh-huh. camera. Okay. okay. Yeah, I think yeah, I did all yeah I did all of it. Okay. Sent that in, and then you know you have to go and kind of go in again and again, and then in the end you. i would never done that process before. I went into Sony in this kind of mini wee theatre. They have a hundred people there. <laughs> you do the process all over again, <laughs> which is kind of intimidating. But you kind of get it because like they want to get her right. Yeah, you know, they want to get you right. I had like Sam and Seth and Evan like right there. And I said it before but they were like Kind of cheering me from the side to their face so I can see it. But in their mind, Yeah, dead fucking <laughs> Well yeah, I was gonna say
4: that you didn't you did very obviously we loved Thank you you. love you. I was talking to Sam and he was saying that we were talking about how in the comic book uh, she's very very uh, reactive to Jesse a lot of the time and obviously in this adaptation she had a lot more of her own story and that it's been hard for him to to kind of write that for a while because whereas with Jesse there's so many male characters to draw on like this is from this scene in no The Bad and the Ugly but with if there's not a lot of like female you know, badasses you felt like to draw on so I'm curious how you feel about that and if you've been able to draw on but, well
8: I don't really I don't really sort of look at it in terms of gender because i draw on male characters as aspects of male characters too I don't think that anyone has a monopoly on any sort of characteristics I don't think I don't think they should I know that we it's box, you know, thing, kind of. Oh, this is it's quite feminine. That's on the feminine aspect. And that's in the masculine aspect. But I mean, we're actually kind of have both. We're made by a man and a woman, so like, I just find it—I find it really sort of restrictive to to kind of like think that I can't have aspects of, of of a male superhero or a male protagonist. Having said that, I think that. I think that that's why I think Judith is so important is because she sort of defies expectations um, of, of, of badass women and um, stereotypes and I think that she kind of is I feel like they've kind of like got such a colourful palette for her. they've drawn this, this woman who is so like at odds with herself like, constantly and is constantly in this dichotomy of being sort of one minute she's quite tender and funny and then it's and I think that I kind of just kind of a relief to see a woman with, with all those colours and all those kind of nuances and fucked upness, you know. Because uh, I don't think I think for too long we've been kind of limited that to sort of male protagonists, allowing being allowed to have kind of ugly parts themselves or flaws or you know. I think it's I think I think it's a well. I hope it's a Sometimes you sometimes you can be in your own little kind of bubble and you think everything's going well and then just some shit like that happens.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, even more so, I mean, we're a publication for women of color. I mean, blackgirlnerds.com. Mm. So we were ecstatic about yeah, your casting, your portrayal. Mm-hmm. It's also one of those moments where you said, we have felt as, you know, comic book fans seeing a comic book adaptation where it's a person of color. And you're right, they're more nuanced. They fleshed out to look more for the show, and also changed um, aspects of her personality to be more, I would say, inclusive. Right. Yeah. So, how? Because we're loving it. How did you feel as far as any pressure for that? Because obviously, you're representing, you know, a group but,
8: of people. Well, eventually, you know? eventually, 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 I won't feel that pressure. Hopefully, yeah. Or my kids won't. You know, they're hopefully. But I'm. It never occurred to me until recently because you did. You never kind of think. When you're growing you see you go, you, go, you go to the films, you go, oh, yeah, and then and then you might see you know a woman of colour in a lead and, and you think, why am I doing that? Because you get second place, no, you just think, oh, well. and then you think, God, no, we actually, it should. What, why we? we? should be much, we should have be been much angrier. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, thank you for saying that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, because you can get complacent can <laughs> not you about kind of like oh that's just the way it is yeah that's just the world no we should agitate you know and I think that I you mean know, I'm in my mid-thirties now but when I see you know,
6: young women and
8: men you know agitation protesting you know all these movements that they weren't as loaded well, as when I was that age. And I'm just really impressed. And I think that yeah, finally came you point Saying, you know, actually, that that box, that box you that put me in, I wish oh, no. you know.
4: mm-hmm.
8: not for so, me. Don't that. I absolutely
4: loved the baptism scene. Like, that's, I think, probably one of my favourite scenes of any TV show. It was really good fun today. Um, <laughs> like, in the past year. Can you talk a little bit about filming that scene? Because I'm guessing it might have got a little uncomfortable at times.
8: I'm such a scaredy cat. I'm not like you at all. Biggest scaredy cat ever. Like, when I swim in the sea, I just do my arms <laughs> and just walk. I'm too scared of going beyond my death. Very scared cat. We actually they made because we were worried about being too cold. So we, the water and we have to like get this ice to cool it down because it was so hot. I was really worried about doing, it. and then I was like, <laughs> couldn't stop doing it after a while. This is so much fun. It's just it's really fun because I just think there's, there's little things that happen in scenes that that you don't really think about when you read, and it's not. You don't know the impact but in the in the script it was like she gives him a wink underwater. Yes. You know, it was like it really reads when she smiles under water it's this little these little kind of lovely touches that really like make a something make a character flourish, you know, you yeah. think, oh, that's who she is. one little kind of frame you can. I know who that girl is. It was like, no, no of amount of holy water is going to help who I am.
4: <laughs> yeah. I'm
8: surprised she's burned and
2: You and Dominic, of
4: course,
9: worked together. Just did warcraft together. How does that help in terms of developing your on-screen relationship as such as the one in practice? Well, we
8: first met, we did a play together about seven years ago. I think I think sometimes you just, look, I mean, luckily, I... I think that people, I, um, you know. I think that when you, you kind of that, how do I say it? Mean, yeah. It's nice to work with nice people and kind people because I feel like I can do my job then you know, because I feel I feel I can kind of go beyond the boundaries of sort of my kind of being safe. But I don't think I would do that. I think I would be like a, I'd put my head back in if it was unsafe. So I don't. I don't, I mean, I wouldn't be very comfortable with kind of a director who wanted to play god and manipulate.
4: I don't think, I don't think it benefits anybody, um, so. Earlier you were saying the word in a box, and then I remembered that there was that issue a couple a weeks ago of where the Funkoers came out. I'm <laughs> um, just so impressed so by the that. Yeah, exactly. Oh, you know, that's what's happened to Scarlet's hair, and it's happened to
9: Galveston.
2: <laughs> 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 now, what's, awesome? what's the fucking problem? <laughs> you think about it? That's why I think. I think
9: there's some
8: it's a person in a room,
2: like she said, in a box, making decisions without any insight. It's
8: so sort of narrow-minded in television, especially in terms of like, like in terms of kind of like being a human being. Also, like, are they mental? Like, women have money. Women enjoy comics, oh, yeah. you know? Yeah. And are passionate and want yeah. those things. So, like, are they missing... They're missing... They're missing point. They're missing debate. The they're missing, like... If, if, if just being a, a compassionate human being doesn't to them, what about a dollar must? <laughs> <laughs> and, like, he their brains. I
2: think we're getting to a point now where... Because of the internet. Because people are able to make their voices known. Because we tweeted about that as soon as it happened. We talked about it on BGN. It's, like, a thing, but... I think now they maybe realize it. So when they're talking about casting, when they're talking about toys, when they're talking about this stuff and they're making these narrow-minded decisions, maybe they can make better ones.
8: That's the hope, anyway. Yeah, but you're right. Who are (laughs) these (laughs) people? What world are they in? Because you forget, this is the thing. I think we forget, like, you know, if you're kind of like... I surround myself with loads of different people, Very but most of them are not right wing <laughs> and they're mostly liberal so you forget that, that it's a good job actually to remember because, you know, because I don't think all these battles that you think you won, they're not won. but it's just about right, that you that you can do that thing I was saying about complacency you, you know it's very easy to become complacent when you when you think oh no I have got this part black I, 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 president female president <laughs> <laughs> You uh, I mean, I mean, remember it's that you kind of have to be vigilant against it's kind it's of that kind of narrow mindedness. Yeah. Well,
2: see, I live here in Austin, and we we're called the Blue Dot in the Red Sea. So Austin is a very liberal city surrounded by, for better words, crazy. You know, a lot of the time. But um we all kind of share a common, like, kind of, I guess you would call it, like, um, culture. And one of the things is, like, I know you guys are doing the Texas accent, which you guys did great on. <laughs>
8: Honestly, a, an entire have <laughs> no, no, no.
2: Entire it's cast really of Brits doing the Texas accent. Y'all did, y'all did very well. But I was going to ask you if you don't mind, I have a little game for you. Do you really? And, uh, come on, it's just I'm going to give you a Texas word, and and you can maybe give it your best, you know, tulip version of it, and then tell me if you can guess what it means. I did it with Dominic, and if you can be, I think you can be better than him. I really do. So any of them. So
8: yeah, don't tell her.
2: So here's the first one
8: okay well.
2: yeah any idea <laughs> golf okay. no it means that something's tilted or askew yeah <laughs> it's, it's weird all right here's one more and then we'll and I'll get some to do do you know what that one is Preparing to do something
5: yes very good you, did, you
2: need to go give Dominic some crap gonna <laughs> get that one all right and then this is the the last one Okay. Um. Well, if the dog won't hunt, it means it won't do something. Like it's just not gonna happen. Like you, yeah. Like um. So you think you're gonna bring out a group of toys and I'll put the female character, honey? That dog won't hunt. Seeing that. No, you totally can. In fact, yeah, you can totally, you can totally do this. Yeah. So thank you for playing the game. I really appreciate it. Okay.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I'm running the night. They calling me night. I'm running the night. They calling me Ike. I'm beating on y'all. I'll never be nice. My mama was nice. My daddy was nice. And they lost their life in front of my eyes. In front of my eyes. i never be right. i never be right. Billionaire boy, never be right. Wing taking a flight. You can see the symbol up in the sky. Open your eyes. Criminals will stay in line. They know that I own the night. Joker, your mind. Vayner will get you for breaking my spine. Commissioner Gordon, the oba got my back. Wearing all black. Looking for a clown with his mouth full of jack. And his girlfriend got baseball back. Catwoman a baseball bat. Cap moment when I do tell her, please fall back. Please fall back. Can't have dreams, cause Mr. Freeze, freeze all that. sees all that. Poison i be made me take a nap. Now I'm trying to solve a riddle that's written in more caps like damn. Where the hell i am stuck? Gotham is falling apart I feel like this is my heart That is why I go so hard Outfit is keeping me calm Robin is keeping me strong This is what we really on Tell him it's on And every day we go hard And every night me and my squad My city made us hard Oh God I am the toughest you'll ever see, I am the smartest you'll ever meet My hope is honor, is mystery, I got the honor that never leaves I am the night so I never sleep, there ain't no promise I couldn't keep I am the hero the city needs, I hope my city remembers me Remember me Remember me All I know is the night. All I know is the night. A lot of things on my mind. And I'll never be right. Say the world tonight. Try to make the world alright. All I know is the night. All I know is the night. A lot of things on my mind. And I'll never be right. Say the world tonight. Try to make the world alright.